who doesn't love the good old Pebble Beach Pro-Am Golf Tournament? I know that I've always enjoyed it. I remember watching it with my grandfather and having just a good time looking at such a beautiful course out there in California. For a brief time, my wife and I actually lived out in California, and I really regret not playing at Pebble Beach, but at the time, my golf game and I weren't exactly simpatico, so I didn't have the opportunity to play Pebble Beach, but I don't know, maybe someday in the future I'll get that opportunity to go out there and play that beautiful, beautiful course. Now, if you guys didn't see it over the past weekend, uh, Justin Rose claimed victory at Pebble Beach, and the course was difficult, made more so by the tough weather conditions. It was pretty windy. But Justin Rose won the tournament bagging $1.62 million for his troubles. That's that's a pretty nice uh, check to walk away with for a few days of golf. That's pretty good. Now, on the surface, it doesn't seem like that's huge news. You know, professional golfer won a golf tournament. So what, right? Well, there's something about this win that has somehow upset people in the golfing community, okay? Not everybody, but a few. Now, one thing I recognized when I was reading these articles is that nearly every one of them seemed to mention Justin Rose's age. Like, why is that a factor, okay? Justin Rose is 42. And I would think most people would hear that and say, so what? But for some reason, sports in general just has this, I don't know, aversion to uh, any professional athlete over the age of 40. Like they've got to be nearing the end of their career. They're washed up. They don't have a lot of wins left in them. All this kind of crazy nonsense. And it's just, it's not true. You know, Justin Rose has just proved that it's not true. But I don't understand where all the uh, talk about how golf is, you know, going younger and and how these uh, older, more established players can't compete. Of course they can compete. It's proof he just won. And if you don't want to use Rose's win, let's go back to 2019, okay? Uh, Phil Mickelson wins Pebble Beach in 2019 at the age of 48, making him the oldest golfer to do so. It's a tough course, but still, 48 years old, okay? Had a win in him. Two years later, Phil Mickelson wins the PGA Championship, and he's just one month shy of 51. Now, we all know that the PGA uh, Champions Tour, which is the Senior Professional Players Tour, you become eligible for that at the age of 50. So Mickelson was, was eligible to be playing on the Champions Tour. When he won the PGA Championship, he was just, you know, like 30 days shy of his 51st birthday. So the, the fact that people believe that, you know, professional golf, is somehow going to push out these older players is just ridiculous. I don't even see where they're where they're you know getting that from because you've got proof here that that's not the case. Many people will say, well, golf has now become a distance game when it, it didn't used to be a distance game, and I will agree with you. You know, the the clubs have gotten farther, the balls have gotten better, the technology has improved to a point where distance is a huge part of the game now. I mean, it's almost every part of the game. You know, I would say it's like distance chipping and putting. You know, you're taking out iron play uh, the majority of the time unless you've got a long par three. So distance is a huge part of the game, but just because, you know, these older players 
uh, and I say older, I mean, 40 is not old at all, but uh, just these older players in the sense of the um, age group for the PGA Tour, you know, there's a lot of 20-somethings, early 20-somethings coming in, and they lower that average tour age down, but these older players have wisdom, which is a severely underrated skill for a professional golfer. Everybody looks at, you know, oh, how far can he hit the ball? You know, what, what are his strokes gained? What? But they're not considering the fact that when the conditions get tough or the fact that these older, more established players have played Pebble Beach time and time and time again, that they learn and develop the skills and the wisdom to navigate the course in all of its conditions. Okay? You just can't uh, put a price on having the wisdom of a golfer who's played for a longer time. you got a 22-year-old that can smack the ball 350, 360 yards like clockwork every time, 18 holes, but if he can't chip or putt to save his, his, his hide, how is he going to be competitive on the tour? You know, I'm sure he's good enough to get onto the tour, but how can he compete with some of these guys who have been you know, playing the game for a long time and have developed the wisdom to navigate a, a golf course with, you know, superior strategy, okay? And Rose did that. He did that all the way to victory. Even though he had people out driving him, even though he had stiff competition from uh, younger players, he still made it happen. So I don't understand where, you know, these golf pundits and people just say like, you know, they're pushing this this belief that golf is is just going younger. It's getting younger. So all the players, the, the important players are going to be younger and they're not going to be, you know, over the age of 40. It's just not true. The wins, the past records of these professional golfers, Rose, Mickelson, several others, prove that that's just not true. Okay, so I don't get where that's coming from. So I think that, you know, if you believe that distance is everything and that is going to uh, completely revolutionize the game and and push the older golfers out of the game i say to you mm, you need to take a second and look at the results because that's not true because you've got these guys who are older more established golfers performing much better winning tournaments proving that you know distance doesn't doesn't make the game, doesn't win the game. It doesn't. Okay. Bryson would be number one uh, if it did. And it just doesn't, that's not the case. So that skill set, that wisdom, all of that wrapped into one, which you can only get from, you know, time out on the course, being alive a lot longer and playing more golf. That's the only way you're going to get those skills and that skill set to be able to compete with some sort of strategy in a course on a course like Pebble Beach in difficult conditions. Now during the festivities where Rose was, you know, being asked several questions, um, Rose was asked about his decision to join the Live Golf Tour. We all know about the ongoing struggle between the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour. You know, players that that left uh, and the players that stayed, and how there's a lot of animosity between it. I mentioned it in my previous podcast, episode 23, about Teagate with Patrick Reed and Roy McElroy in Dubai, you know, and then it, it, it spilled over into allegations of Reed cheating when he claimed that he identified his ball, which was, you know, might have been, been in, a, in the wrong tree when you looked back on the playbacks. I mean, there's, there's just so many 
sides of the story. And uh, it's just, there's a lot of division in golf right now. But when Rose was asked about uh, joining Live Golf Tour, this is what he said. He said, I mean, access to the major championships is a large part of my decision to be playing where I am playing for sure. Okay. He also said, uh, obviously playing in events like this that have a great history, that give access to iconic golf courses and all of those things, winning events that really matter. All right, so we're going to break down what he said real quick uh, because I've, I've got a few questions about what he said. And, and one thing that comes to mind when he mentions the first part about having access to major championships. Okay, he said this after winning Pebble Beach. This happened just the other weekend. Already the announcement for the Masters has gone out to prove that live players who could qualify – meaning they've won a major, and there's some other steps about qualification. I went over it in a, in a previous podcast, but those players that qualify, even though they're live golfers, they can, they've got the invitation to the Masters, okay? I think the real sticking point about what he means here is the deal with the official world golf rankings, okay, which is still an issue that they're, they're battling out, okay? Live, I truly believe, will get official world golf ranking points. It's just going to take a while for them to to make that happen. I don't know if the court case between the PGA Tour and Live Golf will have to be settled before the official world golf ranking points are actually going to be, um, you know, included with all of Live's tournaments. Uh, but it will come. It will. It eventually will come unless there's just a complete and utter failure of Live. And I don't believe that because there's some information that just got released about Live. And I'm going to give you that a little bit later in the podcast. That makes me believe uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So the second part of his um, statement was that he said, obviously playing in events like this, referencing Pebble Beach, that have a great history, that give access to iconic golf courses and all of those things, and then winning events that really matter. Okay. Now, all right, I, I, I 100% understand where he's coming from when he says playing historic golf courses. Because live you know, doesn't have access to certain courses, all right? that The PGA has got a hold on that, and, you know, I understand that. PGA has always played the Pro-Am at Pebble Beach, and, you know, they're going to have the, the rights to that, so to speak, even though it's a public golf course, okay? So, you know, there's no allegiance there, technically, if it's a publicly owned golf course and the public couldn't play, then Live Golf could stand a shot at having their own tournament at Pebble Beach. I don't know what type of organization Pebble Beach has and whether or not they would just say, you know, nope, we're going to limit this to just the PGA as far as, uh, you know, uh, a major golf event, okay? But that is is access to those iconic golf courses which the PGA has and Live doesn't. But the one thing that I don't get is the events that really matter, okay? You know, matter to whom? matter to Justin Rose because okay that's completely uh, subjective and he can decide which events matter you know maybe he likes the the Honda Classic or whatever but doesn't care for the US Open I don't know I'm just spitballing here but you know that I get all right but does he mean events that matter in the golf world because if he does I think that pretty much boils down to four events and I think you guys know what I'm referencing here the four majors PGA Championship, the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship. I mean, those are the four top events for global golf. It just, it, it just, you can't get any better. That's where all the pros converge. 
Even so, I mean, there are events out there, especially in the 2023 season for the PGA Tour, that offer a higher purse. And I'm going to mention those. I'm going to mention those later on in the podcast and let you know what those events are, those elevated events that they've referenced. But I want to point out that, you know, the, the Masters, okay, has a $15 million purse. Okay. All right. Right, not that that's that's respectable. It's definitely more than the this past what Pebble Beach was like nine million, I think, for the the total purse, which was a big purse for them. But uh, Live Golf has larger events than that. The FedEx Cup has a bigger purse than that. So the Masters mean something because they're not just chasing the dollar. They're not just chasing that that big check at the end of it. They're chasing that title. Some might argue they're ch- they're chasing the exemption. Okay, that might be a reason. But it's a big deal if you win the Masters. You get the green jacket. Okay, I mean, that's that's a big deal. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's a lifelong uh, exemption to play in the Masters. That's why you've got a lot of guys in their 60s and 70s even um, trying to get out there and, and make the cut because they won the Masters once, so they can keep on playing. But... It boils down to golf events that really matter, really just the four majors, you know. I'm sure everyone has a special event that they hold dear, you know, maybe something they enjoyed growing up watching as a kid, maybe it was some kind of a good memory that they have tied to it, but when we're talking about, like, the best of the best, where your top, most elite ball strikers are going to be playing, it's the four majors. They want those major titles. They want them. If you ask any golfer out there, they want that prestige, okay? Money's good, but it's not great. There are more, uh, there are events that pay more out there. You know, I'll talk to you about those a little bit later, but they want that prestige. So when you talk about golf events that really matter, that Justin Rose is mentioning, it's really those four majors. The Masters has already allowed live golfers who qualify access to play in the 2023 Masters. So for Justin Rose, you know, to put that out there as part of his consideration, it just threw me a little bit because the second that the OWGR, Official World Golf Rankings Board, decides that they can no longer, you know, keep ice and live out, those live players are going to be gaining ranking points. And then we're talking about qualifying for some of those major tournaments. And really, there's only two major tournaments that, that the world ranking points really uh, affect and that's the Masters, which is an invitational, in the PGA Championship. The U.S. Open and the Open Championship are exactly that. It's in the name. They're open. These professional golfers who are playing for live, but maybe don't have a, a major championship win, which would grant them an, an exemption, can qualify. They can go through qualifying just like every other golfer out there that has a handicap of 1.4 or better an officially recognized golf handicap of 1.4 better, you have the opportunity to attempt to qualify for the U.S. Open and the Open Championship. So they can't hold them out anyway. It's really the Masters, which Masters is big, and the PGA Championship, which, I don't know, as a live golfer, I don't even know that you would be interested in playing in the PGA Championship. The Masters, on the other hand, I don't know. That's a big event. That's a big event. And for many golfers, that is the epitome of, uh, you know, a major title win is the Masters. Okay, it's called the freaking Masters. Now, I know some other golfers out there would disagree and say the Open Championship. And, you know, there's a lot of history there. That's a that's a real big one, too. I'm not trying to say that it isn't. But I'm just saying, you know, between those two, 
those are big, big, big titles that these golfers want. So events that really matter, just, you know, the four majors. That's what I think really matter. I don't know. Maybe you guys disagree. But another way to think about it is, would you guys be more upset that you missed the Pebble Beach Pro-Am or the Masters? If you had an opportunity to watch one or the other, what are you watching? Okay, I'm watching the Masters. But that's just me. Now, as you know, back in 2022, the PGA announced that there was going to be more elevated events to get more prize money out there for the players. And I just wanted to give you a quick uh, overview of some of those events. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull it up right now. And basically, uh, the four majors, okay, we've got the Masters Tournament, PGA Championship, U.S. Open, Open Championship. You've got a $15 million purse for the Masters, the same for the PGA Championship, $17.5 million for the U.S. Open, and $14 million for the Open Championship, all right? Now we're going to go into the elevated events, all right, and some of those are the FedEx St. Jude Championship, that's $20 million in prize money, the BMW Championship, 20 million in prize money, and then the tour championship, 75 million in prize money. Okay, so that's pretty darn good. Now, the elevated events that they mentioned of having, uh, I think it was somewhere around 20 million or more, which is weird that that one of them is on this list, but Players Championship, um, Waste Management, uh, Phoenix Open, the Genesis and Invitational, Arnold Palmer Invitational, RBC Heritage, Wells Fargo Championship, Memorial Tournament, Travelers Championship, World Golf Championships, Dell Technologies, Match Play, all of those are $20 million with the exception of the Players Championship because that's $25 million. And then Century Tournament of Champions has a $15 million purse. So the same as the Masters of the PGA Championship, all right? So you can see that the PGA is trying to push more money into these events, and I support them for that. I think that is an excellent thing to do. Get these players fired up, uh, you know, push more money back into the hands of the players and give them an opportunity to compete, uh, you know, maybe at, at, at even more of an aggressive level because, you know, when you're walking away with a check that says $1.62 million on it versus $3 million on it, that's a big, big deal, okay? So some of these guys that can get out there and play for a higher top prize – we might see some shifts in the world of competitive golf. I don't know. And, you know, as I mentioned before in some of my previous podcasts, if you're a collegiate golfer, you're D1, and you're going to go professional, okay, you've got a decision to make. Do you try to throw in with Liv or roll over to the PGA Tour? And with these elevated events, the money, things like that, you know, that it, it helps even the playing field a little bit because, Right now, LiveGolf is pumping out the dollars, okay? They've got financial backing, and the PGA Tour is trying to play catch-up. PGA Tour has the heritage and the history and the tradition, but the LiveGolf Tour has the fat wallet. So, And in speaking of that, LiveGolf is now going to have 14 events for 2023, uh, over their eight, I believe, of the 2022 season, and they set a budget of $405 million for the 2023 season. Now, I've done some research to find out if the payouts will change, but I can't find anything that says it'll be any different than the 2022 season for the individual and team playouts. The fact that Live Golf is now pumping a larger budget into Live, especially now that they've signed that deal with the CW Network, this indicates that the Live Golf backers uh, support and believe that Live Golf will continue to grow, um, especially with 14 events and the joint venture with the CW Network. I mean, they're being broadcast now on a nationwide network that's got some validity to it. And 
I think that's a good thing for Liv. So the competition's heating up. You know, we're still early in the 2023 season, still kind of cold, and uh, we really haven't gotten to the the big, big events, but they're coming. You know, Masters is coming. I'm super excited about that. And uh, I think the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour will continue to battle it out over the 2023 season, but I think you're going to see some developments that um, will, you know, speak to whether or not Liv is going to make it, which I believe they will, and whether or not the PGA Tour is going to continue to increase um, their prize money to compete, which I think eventually they'll have to unless Liv Golf uh, goes away or unless they just have to reduce their purse uh, amount just because they can't afford it anymore. Guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating or review. I'd really, really appreciate it. Definitely helps out the pod. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, keep on swinging.